Well, it's good to be back. I appreciate Mark and the back-to-back sermons that he did over the last couple of weeks. And uh, certainly, Mark, you and Cherie are in our prayers right now uh, with Margie in that situation. We will continue to pray for that and uh, keep that situation monitored. Uh, It was a blessing, though, uh, for me to be away. Uh, Not that I didn't miss you. Uh, But uh, I was at Memphis uh, for school for one week, and I'm part of a cohort of fellow ministers, and we got to sit at the feet of a great teacher for six or seven hours a day and uh, really uh, study God's Word in depth, and it certainly opened up some insights to me that I'd never thought of before. Uh, The following week, though, I was in South Texas at a church camp. I was a camp counselor with my dad uh, for 17 and 18-year-old boys, uh, young men. And the way I've described it, one week I was able to fill my mind. uh, The next week I was able to fill my soul. And it truly was a blessing. And I appreciate this church, uh, the eldership, in giving me the space to experience both. Even though at church camp I didn't get a lot of sleep, I was physically tired, I certainly was able to recharge my spiritual battery, so to speak, in working with these young men. And they've really opened my eyes. I've done this for about three years now, and they've opened my eyes to a lot of the challenges that teenagers face in 2023, and yet I walked out of there encouraged And my hope was renewed for the future. And with all the challenges that our teenagers face, uh, there's still this this remnant. And we have this remnant here in this room. Uh, The teenagers here at Brentwood Oaks. uh, Young men, young women who are devoted to Christ and following Him. And I went down to South Texas with the mission to be a blessing to those young men. Uh, But like so many things in ministry, I was the one who received the blessing. And I think that goes for all of us whenever we pour ourselves out in ministry. Uh, We sing that song from Philippians chapter 3. We pour out our, our lives to be filled with His Spirit. And in the upside down nature of the kingdom, when we pour ourselves out for others, God fills He fills our hearts with joy. That's the mountaintop experience whenever we serve others in the name of Jesus. And this idea is going to play out in our sermon passage this morning in the book of Ruth. So if you want to turn to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth is the story of three different people pouring themselves out for others. And God, at the end of the story, fills their hearts with joy Uh, Ruth is that little book. It's the eighth book of the Old Testament. It's right between Judges and 1 Samuel. Uh, Typically in your Bible, it takes about two pages. So I'll give you a few moments to turn there. I appreciate Mark's words last week on the book of Ruth and the, the happy coincidence that Ruth so happened to glean in the fields of Boaz And I think that really speaks a word to all of us as we walk by faith and not by sight. 
Uh, there are situations in our lives where we don't quite see how things are going to work out, how things are going to pan out, and yet we trust that God is in the background weaving something together. That is the story of Ruth and the happy coincidences in her life. Ruth has God's fingerprints all over it. And the reason why we're studying Ruth is because we're taking a close look at one of our themes of who we are as a people here at Brentwood Oaks, and that is bringing people to faith. And that's multifaceted. So in the month of May, we looked at the Great Commission, the words of Jesus there on the mountain in Galilee to his disciples. And it's out of those words where it really pushes the church outward, out beyond the walls of the church and When you think about it, that's really when we are most who we are, who we are supposed to be. Whenever we go out in mission and we proclaim uh, the kingship of Jesus, uh, that is really our identity as a people. We are mission people. But part of bringing people to faith is about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, This involves words. But this also involves good deeds done in His name. It involves us interacting with the people in our neighborhood, being a light, infusing the neighborhood with the gospel and beauty. And so let's think about who we are as a people here at Brentwood Oaks. We are people who are situated here in North Austin. God has planted us here. God has arranged the body God continues to arrange the body. We have new people for whom God has brought to us over the last few years. uh, Laborers in the vineyard. And we are a church who are surrounded by all kinds of different people. People of great affluence. But also people of great poverty. uh, People who are invisible, for lack of a better word. the, The roots of the world, so to speak. And so we're working through this series called God Behind the Scene. And it's based on a book about Ruth and Esther. And that scene is S-E-E-N. Ruth may be invisible to the ancient world, but she was not invisible to her God. So let's pick up where Mark left off last week. I'm going to be preaching through Ruth today. And then next week will be the last sermon. Uh, But if you would, let's pick it up in chapter 2, verse 8, where Boaz interacts with Ruth. Let's hear the word of God. Ruth 2, beginning in verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. And go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, All that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people you did not know before. 
The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoke kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Verse 14, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here, eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. So the banks of rivers in Southeast Asia are teeming with life, and there are all kinds of different wildlife vying for survival at a water source. One such animal is a bird called the red-wattled lapwing. So we have a picture here of a male and a female, and if you look closely, you can see the little chicks. Uh, These birds are very vulnerable. They don't build nests in trees. The mother will lay eggs and camouflage those eggs as best she can. But whenever the baby lapwings are hatched, that's when life becomes extremely dangerous there at the watering hole. A lapwing chick is about two and a half inches tall. And instinctively, whenever a chick is born, they go right under the wings of the mother. It's their only way of survival. It's their only defense. There are many predators. There are birds of prey, snakes, rodents. But when a predator comes, the mother or the father will attack the predator with reckless abandonment, squawking loudly, trying to distract, while the other partner goes into hiding with the chicks under the wing. And as they distract, as long as those chicks stay together under the wing of one of their parents, they are safe. The male and the female provide refuge for these little ones. Often, when we read Scripture, there's an image that pops out within the words themselves. And Ruth 2 is no exception. Ruth gives us an image, the narrator gives us an image from the words of Boaz to this woman who found herself in a very vulnerable position. A woman who was seeking refuge under God's wings. So in the Old Testament, there's this famous triad of the vulnerable. And we see it in the book of James, chapter 1, that shepherd scripture that we read every 10 weeks or so. But in the Old Testament, it's the widow and the orphan and the sojourner. Some of your translations will say stranger or resident alien. And in a world, in the ancient world, with No government safety nets. Uh, Falling into one of these categories was a very dangerous situation. And Ruth seemed to fall in all three categories to a degree. Uh, She was a widow, as mentioned at the beginning of the book, when she married into Naomi's family there in Moab. Uh, But her husband died and left her unprotected. And then, in leaving her father and mother and joining Naomi and traveling to Bethlehem, Ruth becomes a kind of orphan, fatherless, motherless in a new country. Perhaps that's why Naomi and Boaz at different parts in the story call her my daughter. 
But especially important in the book of Ruth is the fact that she is a non-Israelite. And in the Old Testament, there are different categories, there are different words for foreigners. Uh, They have different roles to play. Uh, Ruth refers to herself as a foreigner in her sermon passage, which is different from the category of a sojourner. A sojourner being a non-Israelite, having no land, but participating in the festival life of the Jews, the Israelites. But Ruth acted like a sojourner. Uh, She believes in the God of Israel. She attaches herself to Naomi, and Boaz treats her like a sojourner. But Ruth is not your typical non-Israelite. Ruth is a Moabite. That's not good news if you're in Israel, if you're a Moabite. You think of traditional enemies, the Hatfields and the McCoys, Axis and Allies, Yankees, Rebels, Longhorns, Sooners, Cats, Dogs. Whatever your view of the other, uh, that's Israel to Moab and Moab to Israel. Moab has a terrible origin story. It begins in Genesis 19. It's one that begins in incest. And in Deuteronomy chapter 23, as the Israelites are about to enter into the promised land, Moses gives these instructions at the beginning of Deuteronomy 23. Hear these words. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, number one. And number two, especially with the Moabites, because they hired against you Balaam the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity All your days, forever. That's how Israel felt about the Moabites. So Ruth embodies all of the triad. The widow, the orphan, the stranger. And she comes from the lowest of the low backgrounds. The lowest of the low countries. And here she is in a foreign land. Her only connection is this woman who's given over to grief, Naomi. Her name, her name means pleasant, but she changes it to bitter because she is given over to grief and she has no means for support. It's no wonder that Boaz tells Ruth that he's ordered his men not to touch her. Why would Boaz have to order his men not to touch her if that was a real possibility that she was going to be touched by these men. We didn't read it, but in Ruth chapter 2, verse 22, Naomi gives Ruth this advice. She says, It's good, my daughter, that you go out with his, Boaz, his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. For someone in Ruth's position... Being assaulted was par for the course because, well, she didn't really count. She was a Moabite. Ruth is a target for predators. Ruth needs protection. She needs shelter. 
She needs a refuge to hide. And truth be told, we don't have to look very far to find Ruth's among us. We don't have to look very far, even within a few miles, to find the widows, the orphans, the strangers, the vulnerable in our midst, if we have the eyes to see. Can you see them this morning? Can you see the Ruths among us? Again, as I, I stated a few weeks ago, I have no intention of getting into the national debate on the border. We have people here who are connected to the border. It's a mess. But one thing is certain. There is a dark underbelly to what's happening in our own backyard here in North Austin. Under the cover of darkness, no doubt, but maybe even in broad daylight as well. Human trafficking, human slavery is big business. And for the vulnerable women and children especially, there are few options on the table. Vulnerability comes in all forms. The need for food, the need for shelter. There are enormous challenges for the strangers in our midst. And as God continues to open up doors of opportunity for this church, as we move beyond our walls, we're going to come into contact. We are going to encounter people in some very precarious circumstances. We're going to see more clearly the invisibles among us, those hidden in plain sight. And again, the question for this church, what is our responsibility to the widows and the orphans and the strangers in our midst? How can Brentwood Oaks be a refuge spreading our wings to those who need protection? Well, this is where the ministry of Jesus in his life becomes an invaluable tool for us, a guide as Jesus touched the untouchable, as Jesus loved the unlovable. As Jesus saw the invisibles, Jesus saw them. He saw the lepers. He saw the the woman who had the disease for 12 years. He saw the, the tax collector climbing the sycamore tree when everyone else passed by. Jesus had an eye for those who were on the margins. He was moved to compassion for the outsider, the weak, the marginalized, and, of course, His Spirit resides in us, the church. But this is something we see rooted in the Old Testament with all of the laws to take care of the widow and the orphan and the stranger, the sojourner. In the law, there are three ways that God had set into motion for Israel to take care of the marginalized, this triad. And I'll mention them briefly. Actually, I'll put all three up on the screen at once if you want to explore these. You want to take a picture of it and look at those passages. There are three ways that Israel was to take care of the vulnerable. Now, the first is the triennial tithe. Every three years, Israel was to give 10% of their crops for the poor. And there's, there's another category, too. It's not just the widows, the orphans, the sojourners. It's also the Levites, the, the priests. They didn't have land. But there's the triennial tithe. The second one was a seventh year rest where they, they let the land rest. They didn't harvest it. They let it grow wild in a sense. Why? For the poor. 
the marginalized. But then there's this third one, the gleaning laws, and that's where I'm going to turn my attention now. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 21, this is where we'll draw our closing thoughts. That division that people make sometimes between the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament is a false division. This is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is God. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 19 through 21. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. This is Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 21. You shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Now, this command was not always carried out, but Boaz did. Boaz saw this foreign widow in a most vulnerable position. The predators were everywhere, even in his own field. But Boaz took note of three things about Ruth, actually four things. He noticed how hard she worked. But then in verse 11 of Ruth chapter 2, he noticed the way that Ruth had showed kindness to his mother-in-law, Naomi. He had supported one of his kin. Boaz also took note of the fact that Ruth left her father and her mother and her homeland to support Naomi. She placed herself in this vulnerable position out of an act of sacrificial love. But then in verse 12, Boaz took note of the fact that Ruth had taken refuge under the wing of the Lord himself. And no doubt Boaz knew the words of Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 18 through 19, that God loves the sojourner, God feeds them, God clothes them, and the way that God feeds and clothes the sojourner is through His people. Which brings us back to the red wattled lapwing and the chicks who are taking refuge under the wings. I don't know what God has in store for us as we seek to follow His leading and the prompting of the Spirit. No doubt God will connect us with the weak and the frail in our midst. Uh, Stan and Marquita are seeking to help us think through how to minister to the marginalized in their class when helping hurts, how to do this in a way that honors God. If you notice in the gleaning passage in Ruth chapter 2, Boaz doesn't take Ruth's work away from her. Boaz does make it easier for her, but he gives her the dignity of work. 
something to think through as a people. In the fall, we're going to host a seminar called Cost of Poverty Experience, and that will help equip us for this task as we go out. And there'll be more to say about that in the months to come. But I wonder if a Ruth has popped into your mind this morning as we've read Ruth chapter 2, one of the invisibles, someone who takes refuge. Maybe it's someone that you've driven by or walked by, you haven't taken notice of them before, but maybe in the last couple of weeks you see them. Of course, we don't have to travel out of these doors to find them. There are Ruths here among us this morning, men and women, who need to find refuge. Well, the truth is, all of us have taken refuge under the wings of our Lord. Every last one of us are in need of His protection and His grace and His mercy. And we have the opportunity here at Brentwood Oaks to be the hands and feet of Jesus, helping the widows, the fatherless, the strangers, the landless, the jobless, those without community, and those who are here without family. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And God is opening our eyes more and more through the power of His Spirit to the invisibles among us, giving us the eyes to see and the hands and the feet that are ready to be the gospel with flesh in this 78758 zip code or wherever you may reside, a people who act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We've been rescued, but we join in with the rescue mission. If you would like to respond to the good news of the God behind the scene, the God who knows the number of hairs on our heads, the God who is interested in our daily activities, the God who continues to draw us near and is always near to the brokenhearted. We invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.